Hello and welcome to the Bankers podcast series, Banking in Transition, where we look at the new normal as the world begins slowly to recover from the global pandemic. I'm David Robinson, the online editor at The Banker, and my guest today is Alfred Escalas-Siskeyas, the Vice President for Financial Services at IBM. Alfred, welcome. Thank you very much, and thank you for inviting us to this podcast. It's good to have you on it. Today, Alfred, we're going to look at uh, incumbent banks, incumbent banks around the world, and how they can battle back a bit against the many digital challenges that have been eating away at their market share. And this is the case really in every country around the the world. Um, Alfred, perhaps we can start with the basics. In your opinion, what's the biggest challenge uh, established banks everywhere face in what is becoming an increasingly competitive marketplace? So the biggest challenge that the banks are facing is uh, to achieve a proper return on equity uh, higher than the cost of capital, okay? So they can um, retribute no, the shareholders and different stakeholders in an appropriate way. So if, if you look at the return on equity worldwide before COVID-19, in most of the geos, return on equity was below um, 8%, 10% which was under the cost of capital. Now, if anything, COVID-19 has dragged down this return on equity even larger. So what we are seeing and what we are expecting is that return on equity for this year uh, will be lower than pre-COVID-19. Why? Basically due to the zero or uh, nearly zero interest rates policies that are being done across different economies. Number two, for the fact that COVID-19 has had a significant impact in the shutdown of the economy. And number three, because the banks are expecting an increase in non-performing loans or credit losses or impairments. So the question or the answer to the question is, what is the big challenge that the banks are facing? Is to achieve a return on equity uh, above the cost of capital. I think that this is all over the board. Now, what does this mean? Of course, this means that in order to achieve this, uh, the banks need to pursue uh, a specific transformation. So the banks need to change their business model. And this is in the process that they are today. And bear in mind that more or less 66%, two thirds of the revenue of a bank is linked to the interest rates. So interest rate zero or negative policy is clearly affecting and eroding the margins that they have on 66% of the revenue. So they are trying to shift uh, their business model and be more present in those uh, businesses that are not sensitive to interest rates, that are fee-based incomes. And this is part of the transformation that the banks are doing. While at the same time, and I finish here, uh, they need also to cope with uh, the, the request of the digital transformation that their clients are asking. Uh, I think that we all as consumers uh, want to interact with the bank and have the same system of engagement and the same facility with the bank that we have with other type of commerce, whether it's retailer, whether it's uh, um, search engines, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So this need of digital transformation in the systems of engagement, it's a significant investment that the banks have been doing for the last years, but of course, again, requires significant capital 
which must be a retributed profit. That's interesting. So we're talking about a squeeze on return uh, on equity and a need to move, as you say, to fee fee based incomes. Um, can we talk about the kind of technological solutions that might facilitate this shift? So bear in mind that at the end, the, the factory of the bank is, is, is the technology, right? So the technology plays a critical role in the value chain of, of any financial entity. Now, in order to be more agile, in order to reduce their cost base, in order to have uh, this improvement in the return on equity, banks are transforming their IT function. How they are doing this? Well, on one side, uh, they are start moving part of their workloads uh, to the uh, cloud, uh, to the cloud computing or to the public cloud. And therefore, they benefit from the advantages and the value proposition of the cloud. So it's very clear that for some workloads or for some environments, uh, there is a significant cost saving in public cloud. But cost saving is not the only, the only driver. Uh, again, when you are on public cloud, uh, you can escalate uh, more faster, no? and at the same time, uh, downgrade more faster, uh, depending on the volume. And if anything has proven COVID-19, is the flexibility that public cloud provides you in terms of different uh, volumes of workloads. And uh, number three, in the public cloud, you have access to a significant number of developers uh, where you can uh, use in order to innovate or to improve your products and services. So on one side, the banks are moving into public cloud. Uh, to do this, the banks are changing the architectures. Uh, up to now, the banks were very much focused in their transactional technology, in what we call the systems of record. Everything was focused on the system of record, on the back office, etc. Uh, the banks are decoupling uh, their architectures in terms of applications, and they are seeing that there are different architectures and different uh, functionalities for the system of engagement, which are the applications that are linked with their customers, with the ecosystems, with the social, etc. For the system of record, which are uh, the, uh, the applications that are linked to the purely transactional and reporting workloads of a bank, and for the system of insight, which is the layer where the bank can use all the data, all the data that they have in order to gain better knowledge of their customers and in order to generate new value propositions to their customers. So the banks on one side are decoupling their architectures and on the other side, they are moving some of these workloads uh, to the public cloud. And this, you would argue, really all global banks, all established incumbents uh, need to do. It is the, really the only way, in your opinion. What are the big risks if faced by the incumbents if they do not do this? IBM has uh, the, the IBM Institute of Business Value, where on a recurrently basis, basically we interview, I don't know, more than 12,000 executives worldwide, across all the industries. And, and in banks, I think it was roughly 2008 executives. Uh, so three years ago, in this process, we issued a report, and it was titled Incumbents Strike Back, right? So basically, uh, the banks have, been, have seen how uh, the, the fintechs, the new entrants, etc., cetera, uh, had been uh, positioning in the most profitable segments of the banking value chain, right? 
So the banking value chains have been unbundled, let me put it like this. A PSD2 and other initiatives have forced the banks to unbundle the value chain. And then the banks have seen that some new entrants have positioned themselves in the most profitable pools of uh, this value chain. So the banks, that side were a little bit surprised and taken, uh, let me say, a little bit aback. No? Now, uh, what they have seen is that they need to transform. And they have a lot of capabilities, they have a lot of knowledge, they have a lot of uh, investment potential in order to transform and in order to compete with the new entrants. So as I said before, the banks have huge amount of data about their customers. Uh, they can use uh, the technology in order to better understand their customers and in order to better provide to them the value propositions that are more suitable to their customers' needs. So uh, the banks at the same time have been um, changing their organizations to become more agile, more lean, et cetera, et cetera. So the banks have been uh, leveraging on their strengths, but at the same time, uh, taking into consideration, uh, I would say the capabilities and the approach of the fintechs and the new startups in order to be able to compete with them. And this has been, we have seen this uh, across the board. So all the large uh, incumbent banks, one way or the other, uh, have been doing this transformation. Mm, we have seen uh, BNPP or CaixaBank uh, launching specific brands and specific solutions, uh, mobile-only applications for a specific segment of clients. Uh, we have seen other banks uh, launching platforms where it's not just about the banking product, it's also about the ecosystem that it's all around. Um, we have seen Santander uh, launching uh, a worldwide payments uh, platform in order to address payments across the board, et cetera, et cetera. So we have seen the banks uh, transforming themselves, incorporating into their processes, into their technologies, the best practices of the fintechs. And as I said at the beginning, also looking for these new business models where they are not so much dependent on the interest rate margin, but they are much more uh, having revenues from the fees, from the services that they're providing to their customers. And this is across the board, across all the years. Well, that's uh, that's an interesting point of view. And, and Al Alfred, thank you so much, so much for your time today. I guess the tussle between uh, incumbents and challenges is going to continue, and it's something we're going to keep coming back to here at The Banker. Do keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify and Acast and follow our discussions at thebanker.com slash podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.